This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And our good of Shabbos. What a special time we find ourselves in. It's almost Yom Kippur. We are in the 10 days, the first 10 days of the month of Tishrei called the Aseres Yemei Teshuva, the 10 days of return. This is an incredible, incredible time, a time of opportunity. What are we trying to return to? From what have we become disconnected? From what have we strayed? This is an incredible time where our sages tell us, Dear Shu Hashem Behimatz Oi, seek God when he is found. Call to him when he is near. This is a time of incredible opportunity to come back to who we really, really are. Children of Hashem, creations of Hashem, on an important mission, each one of us and collectively, to make this world into a home for Hashem. Interestingly, if you look at the word teshuvah, it is in the feminine. The comet's hay at the end indicates lishon nekeva. What are we trying to come back to? Who are we trying to become? And essentially, we are trying to become the partner, the wife of Hashem. And what does it say in the Gemara about a wife? It says, Ezoi hi ishok sheira. Who is the fitting wife? That's what kosher means, fitting, proper. It says, Kol ba'ala. She who does the will of her husband. In other words, to follow out what the husband wants. Of course we need to do what Hashem wants. We are the wife. We are the homemaker in this world. But of course, sometimes the question is asked, what if the husband doesn't want the right things? Do we blindly follow? And the answer is, the Rebbe points out the word, kol ha whoever does. That word, oisa, can also mean she who makes, creates the will of her husband, reveals the will of her husband. In a practical sense, each one of us wants to do the right thing. Very often it becomes covered over. And so in a marriage, a woman's privilege and responsibility is not to follow blindly. It is to do the will of her husband when it is akin to the will of Hashem. But if it isn't, then her job is to create a will in her husband for the right things. And where do we find that with Hashem himself? Well, we have the prayer, Yehi Ratzon, may it be your will. It is there that we, the nation, have an opportunity to create or reveal a will in Hashem, to create a will by doing our part bringing out in him the desire to be all 
that we want him to be to us. But it's a partnership. And it's a partnership that started long before Yom Kippur. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve, Shabbos. A good kibench, Dior. Please, God, a shana tova umetuka. A good and sweet year. Of course, everything that comes from Hashem is good. But we ask, Yehiratzon, may it be your will that you renew unto us shana tova umetuka. A year that is not only good, because everything is good, because you are good, because you send only good, but we ask that it be sweet for us, and not only at the beginning, but a sweet year, that every day of the year ahead, we feel the sweetness, the pleasantness, this wonderful glow that one gets when one is doing the right thing. And things are working out well. And that's our wish. We ask that it be We should be sealed for a good and sweet year. Here's a community announcement from Prudential Investment Managers just for you. Prudential feels that a strong community is one of life's greatest assets. When considering your financial assets, always look for a manager who will deliver consistently. As you and your family enter the new year, all of us at Prudential Investment Managers wish you good health, financial security, and peace of mind. Contact Prudential Investment Managers via our website, www.prudential.co.za. Consistency is the only currency that matters. I'm Lipsker. We are now in the Aseres Yemei Teshuvah, the 10 days of return. And we want to speak about what are we returning to? In a nutshell, we are coming back to who we really are. We are returning to our true essence. Our attempt is to become our true selves. This partnership with Hashem began, well, on Yom Kippur, it will be a full 120 days. There were three sets of 40 days. The first set began after the Torah was given at Sinai. The third set began with the beginning, the introduction of the month of Elul. At the end of the first set of 40, there was discord. There was disloyalty there was the building of the golden calf. And the interim 40 days were spent begging Hashem not to destroy the people. Ultimately, the last 40 days are the time of reunion, retying of the knot, strengthening the relationship. This 
is the mature relationship. This is the conscious relationship. This is a relationship that takes into account that things can go wrong when we don't play our part. Sometimes we don't know what our part is. In a relationship, each one must do their part. And a Jew, in this world, privileged to be born into the Jewish nation, has a responsibility, a yearning, a calling, an intrinsic connection that can never be broken, that yearns to express itself, its relationship, actively, openly. It yearns for Yiddishkeit. It yearns for connection with Hashem himself. At Sinai, there was a betrothal. And Moshe came off the mountain with a set of tablets, sapphire luchot, upon which what we call the Ten Commandments, the Aseret brought were inscribed. And we are taught that each one of them incorporates an aspect of the Torah, so the entire Torah, the entire guidance is incorporated into those luchot, tablets, sapphire stones. But they were broken. And a new set was given on Yom Kippur. The marriage was reconsecrated. Yom Kippur is a day of Kiddushin, a day of marriage. It is Yom Kadosh, Yom HaKadosh, the holy day. It is the day when the holiest man, the Kohen Gadol, would enter the holiest place, the Kodesh HaKodoshim, the, the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies. And it could only take place by one man on one day, the holiest man into the holiest place on the holiest day. In that place, forgiveness was secured on behalf of the entire nation. That was the day of reunion. That was the place of ultimate closeness, intimacy. We again renew our vows, as it were, on Yom Kippur. We again dedicate ourselves to our soul's mission, we come back to who we really are. In fact, this is a day that cannot be described. You have to experience it, taste it. Each one of us experiences something incredible on that day. The question is, why? Is it only the energy in the air? Because we often speak that there's a different energy to every hour of the day, to every day of the week, in every month of the year, and on very special days. There's more than that. Let's explain. Our soul is made up of five levels. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. Each level is connected to a different aspect of expressing our love, devotion, connection with Hashem himself. On an ordinary weekday, 
we can access the lower three levels, nefesh, ruach, neshama, through prayer, through study, through acts of good deeds, we can function through those three levels. But there are special days like Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, festivals, when the fourth level is revealed. And that is the level of Chaya. There's only one day a year when the fifth level is revealed, the Yechida, and that is on Yom Kippur. In fact, that is why there are three Amidot, three Shmona Esra, three standing prayers, Shacharit, Mincha, and Mairiv, each has an Amidah. When it comes to Shabbat and festivals, we have something called Musaf, the additional service. Not only the morning, afternoon, and evening service, but between the morning and afternoon, Musaf. Only on Yom Kippur do we have all of those, and we also have something called Ne'ilah, a fifth prayer, because the fifth level of the Neshama is revealed on Yom Kippur. And that is a level called Yechida, from the word Yechid, unified, a level that is so aware of who it is, who we are, what we want, what will bring us fulfillment. And yet during the year, we aren't in touch with that. How can we reconnect? How can we change the past, as it were? How do we make this Yom Kippur pivotal, a springboard for a year ahead that is truly good and sweet, but not only materially, materially and spiritually, a healthy year, a year of connection with Hashem. There are seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We are in those seven days now. Seven days of preparation. In the ten days, ten, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and then an entire week in between. And it's during this week that we count, we anticipate, we prepare for Yom Kippur. How can we change? How can we disassociate? How can we withdraw from the habits that bind us, from the situations that keep us stuck? Hashem gives us the power. It's up to us to want to to have that ratzon. But Hashem gives us the power, and Torah is full of examples of people who have not only stopped continuing in the way of the past, but have actually used all the experiences of the past to incorporate them into a new life. All those experiences are not thrown away, we can learn from everything. It's only up to us if we really, really want to. So Teshuvah is regret for the past and resolution for the future. There's an incredible story told 
which I find so moving. In Tzfat, there lived the holy Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria. He was an incredible, incredible teacher, foremost Kabbalist, holy man. And in Tzfat, there was a terrible, terrible criminal. He was a murderer. He was a thief. We can't even say on the radio the things that this man would do. Amazingly, one Erev Yom Kippur, there was a knock on the door of the Arizal. When he opened the door, there stood that man. And he said, I want you, I want to do Teshuvah, I want to change, I want to repent, I want to have a different life. The Arizal said, go to the rabbis of Tzfat. They will help you. Talk to them. And the man said, no, I've been there, and they said there's no hope for me. So the Arizal said, I don't understand them. What do you want from me? He says, I want to make up for my past. And he began to cry and sob. And again, the Arizal said, go to the rabbis of Tzfat. They'll help you. No, no, the man cried. I went to them. They actually thought I was making fun of them. Please, Rabbi, can you help me? Is there anything at all? I will do anything. And then the man began to confess between sobs all the terrible things that he had done. In horror, the Arizal said, in a thousand years you can never put that right. He said, only your death can atone for such terrible transgressions. And the man cried out, I am prepared to die. Actually, I remember this was during the 10 days of Teshuvah because the Arizal then said to him, come back to me on the day before Yom Kippur. This is very serious. And so it was on the day before Yom Kippur, a few hours before the Day of Atonement began, the man again knocked on the door of the Ari. And with hope and fear, he gazed at the master. Very seriously, Rabbi Yitzchak said to him, The death you deserve is by srefa, burning. A spoonful of molten lead must be poured down your throat. You will die instantly. Are you ready? The man nodded. And so the Arizal called his servant, who brought a pan full of red-hot coals with a container of boiling lead. The Ari said, sit in that chair. The man sat down. He said, right, now confess your sins. In a moving, heartbreaking voice, with heartfelt intonation, the man began to confess all his misdeeds. He wept. He sobbed with emotion. And when he had finished, the servant tied up his hands and feet and covered his eyes with a kerchief. The Arizal reached for the ladle full of lead. 
And he said to him, Prepare now to die. The man opened his mouth. But at that moment, a second servant handed the Ari a different spoon full of honey. In a loud voice, the Ari declared, May your sins be removed, and may all of your avarice, all your transgressions, be atoned for. And then he placed the spoon of honey into the man's mouth. The man's body shook violently, and then he cried out, Wait, what have you done? Are you mocking me? Why didn't you kill me? Gently, the Arizal removed the blindfold, and he said, Forgive me. You do not need to die. Hashem does not want the death of the wicked. He only wants them to leave their evil ways and return to themselves, to a life of Torah and mitzvot. But since you were ready with your whole heart to die, it's as if you did. And now your new life begins. And the Arizal then blessed him. He said, in a few short hours, the holy day of atonement will begin. May it usher in a sweet year for you and a sweet life for you. We haven't done those things. We have so many opportunities. We can change things. Hashem gives us the time, the inclination. We have to act on it. Teshuva to refocus on why we are here in this world, which is to make a dwelling place for Hashem himself. You know, if we're to be a proper shidduch with Hashem, what are the lasting qualities? Number one, we need to feel comfortable. And number two, we need to look up to or admire. Those are basically the two things. In the world today, we're looking for strange, superficial things. The world has lost its balance. We need to understand that we want Hashem to feel comfortable with us. And yes, to admire, to look up to us. For we are the ones who have the power to make this world a home for Him. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Each one of us has an ashoma that yearns to be connected. We can stray. We can become stuck. But then there are moments when Hashem gives us some inkling, some sudden flash of, I don't want to be living this life. I want to do it differently. I want to be connected to you. And whatever that flash is, that gift, we need to act upon it. We need to nurture it. We need to fan it into a flame. Yom Kippur is such a day. The season we are in now, this special Shabbos, Shabbos Shuva, the Shabbos of return, as we read in the Haftorah. How do we get Hashem to give us the strength, more strength? 
It says, Kamayim hapanim lapanim. Model what you want. Stretch out to another person. Give tzedakah. Say a kind word. Do something that you want Hashem to do for you. Certainly in our marriages, in our relationships. Treat the other as you want to be treated. Treat the other with respect. That's the main ingredient. A shidduch is not about anything except, do I feel comfortable with this person? Comfortable. Is this the other half of my neshama? If it is, external things don't matter. External things will fade. What's essential is to feel comfortable. And can I look up to or admire this person? Of course, attraction is important. But in today's world, we seem to have lost the balance, the balance of giving, of kindness. And let's recapture that, not only in our personal lives, but wait a minute. What is our responsibility to our partner, our infinite partner, Hashem? Are we kind to him? Do we remember how much he does for us? Teshuva. Each one of us has a pintalayid. Each one of us has nukudata yahadut. Something inside of us that can never die, that can never go away. It's an infinite spark of Hashem. It's tied to Hashem, who is not only Avinu, but also Malkenu. He's our father. He's our king. No matter what, we yearn for him because he is the source of Chayenu. He is our life. And just as a person, more than anything, wants to live, Hashem is our life, and we don't want to be disconnected from him. It's described like a flintstone that can be at the bottom of the coldest ocean for a thousand years. Take it out, strike it, and it will give fire, which reminds us of that story that happened in Poland where a wonderful young father and mother who had a beautiful little boy, they rented an inn from the porritz, the innkeeper. And when the boy was barely two years old, something terrible happened. The parents caught a plague. One after another, they passed away. The little boy was left alone. And the porritz, the landowner who had been friendly with the parents, took the child. He actually had no children of his own. And he adopted this child. And he didn't tell the child he's Jewish. He bought him toys and clothes. He gave him the best food. Everything was laid on for this little prince. It was only later when he began to play with other children and they would tease him and they would call him names like Dirty Jew. And he would run to his father and say, what are they talking about? Father would say, nonsense. You're my child. Until one day, the father drew him close when he came running once more and he said, let me tell you, you had a good father and mother and they passed away and I took you here. And now I love you and your mother loves you like our own child. We'll do anything for you. But the little boy 
could not forget. And when the Poritz, the landowner, saw this, one day he drew him close and he said to him, I have only one thing from your parents. Come, let me give it to you. I took it so that when you were older, which you are now, I could give it to you. And he gave him a talus bag, and inside was a talus and a prayer book. Inside was a machzor or a sidur and a prayer shawl inside this bag. And the little boy took it lovingly, and he couldn't be parted from it. Not so long afterwards, he had a dream. In his dream, a man came to him and said, I am your father, and it will soon be the holy day of Yom Kippur. Try to return to your nation. It was a dream, but it actually nurtured this child who had been feeling that something was missing. And he went to the Jewish section of town, and he found some Jews loading their wagons. And he said to them, where are you going? And they said, oh, we're going into town. And he pressed them with questions. They were afraid. They knew his origins. They were afraid to say too much. But from them he understood that they were going into the nearby town to be there for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. After they had left, he decided he too would go. He took his little bag and he walked and he walked and he walked. And after many days of walking, he finally reached the town. He easily found the shul. He walked inside and it was filled with people dressed in white. He quietly slipped into the back and he saw the people. They were praying. They were silent. People were serious. People were looking into books. He took out his book. He put on his shawl. But he couldn't read. He didn't know. But he felt like he belonged. And then he just couldn't hold himself back anymore. As all the people were praying, he opened his prayer book. He waved it over his head. And he called out, Dear God in heaven, all the prayers are in this book. You know what's in this book and what's appropriate for now. I pray to you with my heart that you take the prayers out of this book and you join them to all the other prayers and that you give us all, all the things that we need. And everybody turned around and looked at him with his strange cry and his strange prayer. But the rabbi at the front calmed them and said, this boy's prayer, with its sincerity, is exactly what was needed to push all of our prayers up. We all have that essence that doesn't want to be parted. In fact, there's a story that I heard, a very moving story, about a young woman who met someone in Israel, and her name was Hermin, and she'd never heard the name. She said, what kind of name is Hermin? Hermin was a party planner. She was a successful woman. Hermin said, I'm Dutch. 
This is a Holland's name. And that was very interesting. And she said, let me tell you my story. My story is that I was raised as a Catholic. And children used to tease me, however, when I was little. The ultimate curse that they could give anyone was, when you grow up, you're going to marry an old Jew. She said, it hurt me very deeply. She said, Jews were considered despicable and low. Wherever I went, there seemed to be that undercurrent. And eventually, she told her her story. She said, my mother was born Jewish. She came to Holland as a young girl. And because she was Jewish, she suffered terribly as a child. So she therefore decided to hide her Jewishness and to start a new chapter in her life as a Christian. I too was raised that way. And I also believed that to be a Jew was a terrible thing. Of course, in Judaism, if your mother is Jewish, that makes you a Jew. But I didn't know all that, she said. I traveled around the world. I became a party planner. I traveled around the world. And I really, really was very, very successful. And then one day, my travels took me to Israel. I was there on behalf of my country, and we were having an exhibition. She said, I cannot explain what Israel did to me. Everywhere I went, I was fascinated. I just felt absolutely drawn to the people, the land, the place. And so when the exhibition was over, I decided to stay a while longer. Instead of a few days, I couldn't tear myself away. My trip extended into several months, and then I decided to study Jewishness. I decided to study about Yiddishkeit. I couldn't understand my strange attraction. I began to study to convert. The philosophy was great, but eventually, when I had to study the practicalities, Kashrut, Pesach, Shabbat, I didn't think I could do it, and so I stopped studying. Still, I remained very attracted to Yiddishkeit. One day, I was in New York, and I heard that Simchat Torah at the Lubavitcher Rebbe is an incredible experience. So I decided to see it for myself. And so it was that I arrived there on the night of Simchat Torah, and a kind young girl gave me her place in the front so I could see this incredible, incredible sight of thousands of people dancing with the Torahs and how the Rebbe from time to time would turn around and encourage everyone to sing more and to celebrate more. She said at that moment she felt her entire body began to tremble and she knew one thing. I belong to this nation. 
she decided she must talk to the Rebbe. She tried very hard to get an appointment, but it was explained to her that people have appointments for months in advance. She insisted, she persisted, and they found her a spot, but they told her, you only have a few moments. And so it was. She waited with the others, waiting to go in. At the moment that she entered, she said, I saw, I sensed an incredible majesty that I'd never sensed in my life. I could, couldn't even open my mouth. I was so emotional. But the Rebbe calmed her. She heard that the Rebbe speaks many languages. She decided to speak in German. She knew that language well. She told the Rebbe the story of her life, her interest in Judaism, and that she had a desire to convert, but feels she cannot keep Torah and mitzvot. The Rebbe waited for her to finish, and then he said these astonishing words. In my opinion, you don't have to convert, because essentially you are Jewish. And she said, Rebbe, how can that be? I, I come from a home that's against Judaism. And he said, investigate, and you'll find out by yourself that you are Jewish. She left the room totally, totally in turmoil. She said, how can it be? And so she contacted her mother, who said to her, if you ever speak about this again, I'll never speak to you again. But sometime later, the mother drew her close and explained, yes. You must promise me, however, never to reveal it to anyone. My mother was born Jewish. She suffered. And therefore, she decided she couldn't be Jewish anymore because she was she suffered what we call redifus. She was persecuted. She raised me as a Christian, and I raised you as a Christian. But if your father ever finds out, we'll be in terrible trouble. Okay, said Hermin. I'm going to become Jewish, totally Jewish. I am Jewish. I'm going to begin to live as a Jew. So her mother said to her, what about the world hating you? She said, it doesn't matter. And sure enough, she went back to live in Israel, married, had a beautiful family. That essence of our soul yearns for connection. Each one of us yearns. Very often, involvement in the world covers the yearning. Comes Yom Kippur. During these days, the 10 days of Tshuva culminating with Yom Kippur, our Yechida, the essence of our soul, feels something unique, even for a moment. That's our true self. We recognize our Father. We feel at home. Let's nurture it. Yom Kippur is a gift. And may the holiness, the uniqueness, the connection last throughout the year. Good Shabbos. And please, God, a good and sweet year.